Fundraising everywhere. 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 Hello, hello. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Um, if this is your first time, um, you're very, very welcome. Um, and of course, welcome back if you have listened in before. Now, tough decisions and tough moments are common in leadership. In this episode of the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, we're looking back at Paul Amadi's charity leadership festival session from 2022. In this session, Paul will share his insights from the British Red Cross and their internal activities and how taking time as a team to work on the job really helps keep people motivated. Paul is the British Red Cross's um, Chief Support Officer. Before that, he was Exec Director of Fundraising Engagement at the MS Society and he's also held Director of Fundraising Roles at Diabetes UK where he increased income by a whopping 25% and at NSBCC, where he raised in excess of 130 million. Paul is a keen advocator and supporter of diversity and inclusion and sits on the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion panel at the IOF. Paul, over to you. And if you want to hear more on charity leadership, check out this year's conference. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, and I hope you're all enjoying Leadership Fest so far. I know there's an absolutely uh, thrilling and high quality uh, speaker lineup. Um, in terms of speakers, my name is uh, Paul Amadi, uh, and I happen to have the privilege of being the Chief Supporter Officer at the British Red Cross. And I've been given the opportunity uh, to talk to you about the many things that we do at the British Red Cross to keep colleagues um, inspired uh, and connected with our work. And I, when I received the invitation, I, I, I was well up uh, for doing so because I think that we actually do a lot uh, in this capacity. And I really like the way uh, that we do things in terms of keeping people engaged and connected uh, at the British Red Cross. And plus, to be honest, it'd be quite weird um, if I responded to an invitation to talk about something that I didn't think that we were very good at. So basically, that's a long-winded way of saying it's really great to be here and have the opportunity to talk about something which is really close and passionate to my heart. So... In the next 18 minutes or so, what I'd like to do is talk about three things. I'd like to talk about why we put so much emphasis uh, on colleagues feeling connected uh, and inspired by our work. Uh, secondly, I'd like to then kind of add some detail on what we actually do, what we actually do. So not just talking about the why, talking about the how. Um, and then thirdly, and arguably most importantly, I'd like to talk about how we keep ourselves on track uh, and accountable. Um, in terms of actually measuring uh, whether we are genuinely keeping colleagues um, engaged. So um, a lot to get through, uh, all in a relatively short period of time. Uh, so please uh, excuse me if I, if I speak relatively quickly. Um, also, I do tend to get quite, you know, if there's a subject that I feel passionate about, I do tend to get quite animated. So, um, so yeah, so bear with me. But before I get started in earnest, I also did want to say, though, that I don't know. I've been in the sector a long time, and I think one of the things that really strikes me is that one of the strengths of the sector um, is our variety. I am is the, is the sector's variety, I should say. So I'm really conscious that you know that the BRC uh, fundraising director uh, is incredibly 
you know, there's over 200 people, we're well-resourced, um, and all that good stuff. Um, but actually, the solutions or the approaches that, that I'm going to share with you, I genuinely think that they've got applicability uh, in any setting, whether it's a, a directorate of two people uh, or 200. So, starting at the beginning and retracing my footsteps, as it were, um, I just want to kind of start with why BRC has placed such an emphasis on inspiration and connection. And quite simply, it's because we've got huge ambitions to grow income uh, at BRC. So actually some kind of quite eye-watering figures. Um, but, in, in, but we have those in ambitions uh, in order to serve people and communities in crisis, both in the UK uh, and internationally. And in order to achieve those ambitions, as well as doing things that you would expect, things like um, being able to demonstrate impact, uh, building stronger relationships with our supporters, uh, getting better at story storytelling. What we also ultimately want to be is an absolutely brilliant place uh, to work or to volunteer. We want to be a destination brand, as it were. Um, and we want to, we have the ambition because we want talented people to come to the British Red Cross to stay longer as they've got high levels of engagement and to give more whilst they're here. Now, as part of our directorate strategy, we've actually set out um, as one of our focus areas, alongside, as I say, things like, you know, building stronger supporter relationships, we've actually put it in writing that we want to be the gold standard place to work. And as such, we've made the commitment uh, to create an environment where ambitious fundraisers can really thrive and grow and develop and know that their well-being um, is a priority for everybody within the directorate and indeed the wider organisation. And critically, that this priority uh, will be taken incredibly seriously. I guess ultimately, what I'm saying is that we don't treat uh, create the creation of inspiration, uh, connectivity and motivation as happy accidents, as, as byproducts of just being nice people. Though of course we are uh, nice people, I'd like to think. We've actually made it a key part of our strategy and planned for it, resourced for and resourced for it. Um, and that brings me to the second part uh, of my session, um, which is what we actually do. The short answer is that we do lots of things, but time, this is only a short session, time doesn't really permit me to get into a huge lot of detail about them. So the approach that I want to kind of dwell on uh, by means of showcasing or sharing a few slides, which hopefully are coming up on screen now, is to talk about our ways of work, our ways of working work stream, um, which, uh, as it says here, uh, the aim of this work stream is to build a sustainable works uh, working environment that we can all uh, thrive in. Now, this work stream um, is a program of work led by a cross directorate uh, team, which is important because it creates ownership and engagement right across the directorate, and quite simply, it's designed to ensure that uh, the, uh, our ways of working, how we go about doing things within the BRC uh, fundraising directorate are conducive to making us all thrive. And ultimately, what we're trying to do um, is, uh, as it says here, is we're trying to kind of maintain and formalize the good stuff that we already do, trial new ideas um, in an incremental way, um, so we don't want to create overwhelm but also to create, thirdly, the space where we can try and introduce more radical changes, but again, um, in ways that don't overwhelm. We have batches of releases, as we call them, um, and each one talks to uh, that context that I've set out. 
So stuff that we're already going to keep doing, uh, stuff that we're going to start doing, um, but also making sure that we also really ret retain space um, for some of uh, you know the bigger things uh, and bigger innovations uh, that we have um, in um, uh, in plan. And just to say a little bit about the kind of town halls, um, which I mentioned elsewhere, town halls, you know, we're obviously now in an era of remote working or what have you. Uh, they've become really, really important moments uh, that we have on a monthly basis where we get together, we celebrate success, we talk about some of our challenges, we try to problem solve, uh, but we do so in a way ultimately uh, to ensure that we're maintaining connections. So this slide uh, highlights some of the innovations that, you know, that we've already introduced, um, but that we really want to uh, keep doing uh, because we know uh, that they really um, uh, make a lot of sense. Uh, they make a lot of sense, uh, a lot of sense, I should say. So, um, so one of the things that we are really, really pleased about is the introduction of, um, uh, you know, I say introduced, it's our commitment to, uh, flexible working. And I think what kind of is, what stands out there is that we're in a situation in which we, we trust, uh, our colleagues to basically manage their workload, um, and ensure that they, um, uh, keep track of everything that they are, you know, that they're doing it, but in a way that is underpinned, um, as I say, uh, in terms of trust. One of the other things that we've done as a new initiative, uh, or relatively uh, new initiative, um, is the commitment towards shorter meetings. So every meeting now actually formally scheduled to take 25 minutes or either 25 minutes as opposed to 30 minutes or 50 minutes uh, as opposed to uh, an hour, because we're all really, really familiar with that experience of you know, back-to-back uh, -back Zooms, you just, you know, you leave one Zoom call uh, and then the next minute you're on another and you don't have time uh, or the ability to, um, uh, uh, you know, to, to basically transition uh, and give yourself uh, a pause for breath. And then that ongoing commitment in the top left-hand corner to, you know, to well-being. Uh, and again, one of the strengths I think of our directorate is um, you know, our well-being working group, which has come up with many of the ideas uh, that I'm showcasing now. One of the other kind of things um, that we've also talked about or that I can kind of highlight and picked up in this slide is um, um, uh, our headspace days, uh, which is a day a month, uh, I think as it says here, um, a um, final Tuesday, the final Tuesday of, of every month where everyone, literally everybody in the directorate can disengage from meetings, uh, kind of switch off their switch off on their inbox uh, and use that time instead to reflect on their career development uh, or learn new or, or learn new skills. I have to say that, um, I mean, three things I'd say about Headspace Days. Firstly, um, they've been an absolute uh, success since their introductions. Um, secondly, what it's done is it's given colleagues um, a higher level of confidence to decline uh, numerous meeting invitations as because everybody knows why you would decline because, you know, can't attend that meeting or attend that Zoom call because you know, it's my headspace day. And secondly, because the entire directorate knows where the headspace day is, uh, what it means is that you're less likely to get invitations anyway. So, um, you know, that's been um, uh, a real success story. Another initiative uh, I'd like to draw uh, everybody on this session's uh, attention to um, is our kind email uh, initiative, which is ultimately encouraging all of us just to be a little bit more thoughtful in our use of email uh, and therefore uh, and thereby, I should say, um, enabling us to um, take deliberate steps not to clog up colleagues' um, inboxes using things like reply alls and what have you, uh, 
because we know, uh, you know, a happy box is an empty box. So, um, you know, that's been, again, something that I think has really, really made a difference. A final uh, initiative that I'd also uh, like to highlight um, is our commitment to leadership transparency. And what that's about, quite simply, um, is about creating a culture which avoids uh, secrecy uh, and opaqueness. Um, I mean, I don't know whether colleagues, whether you had the opportunity or whether you came across the story of, uh, you know, Raleigh International, uh, which which emerged at the back end of last week and over the weekend. So, you know, a significant household name organisation, which has all of a sudden ceased trading, with that decision coming completely out of the blue. Uh, to staff, volunteers, uh, service users, I'd like to see that that type of, you know, secrecy, even though there were commercially sensitive things that presumably were going on here, but that type of mindset, that type of situation could not happen um, at the British Red Cross because we've got now that commitment, as I say, to, to being a more open um, and um, um, uh, a more, uh, uh, as I say, open team. Um, the other thing that uh, uh, speaks really strongly about the leadership transparency piece is that what it also does is it positions managers um, that otherwise, we, what we're seeking to avoid, I should say, is a culture which positions managers as impervious to stress uh, and without their own vulnerabilities um, and um, anxieties. So what we do now, what we've done now is uh, we've created moments in key leadership meetings um, and other sessions whereby managers can take the opportunities to really talk about what's keeping them awake at night. And this, again, um, has been very impactful. So, lots of planned uh, and intentional initiatives, all of which, uh, I would argue, um, uh, uh, have created a situation in which we are now, um, uh, as I say, a much more, I think, responsive uh, directorate and I would say as, I, as I, I'd said earlier on a series of initiatives that really have made a difference to how we go about um, doing going about our business and our operating culture but I would say that one of the characteristics of each one of the initiatives that I have just discussed is that they have got um, applicability uh, and relevance in any other context as well but what I'm also pleased about is not just that we've been really deliberative and intentional uh, about, as I say, creating moments for uh, engagement, motivation uh, and communication, but also what we have done is we also seize any opportunity that we possibly can, uh, which present themselves to remind fundraisers of the difference that they're making uh, to uh, people uh, who are in crisis, both in the UK and indeed internationally. So in that context, um, I recently um, had the privilege um, of visiting um, British Red Cross's work in Nigeria, uh, and I really wanted to use this, um, you know, this trip as an opportunity to connect the fundraising and supporter and engagement directorate uh, with our work on the ground. So you know, because obviously, not least because of the campaign, because of the pandemic, it's very, very easy to lose sight of well, why we're here and the difference that we're making. So I'm going to take my life in my hands and say, if technology permits now, I just want to share three very, very short videos, um, which comprise my video diary uh, of my time uh, in Nigeria. Okay. Video number one. Good morning, fundraising colleagues. So um, it's Paul here, obviously, uh, and joined by, who am I joined by? 
So I've been ahead of each of West and Central Africa. So very pleased to sit the ball. So Sarah and I, um, I've just had my security briefing. Sarah's a veteran, so she hasn't needed any form of briefing whatsoever. Um, and now what we're going to now want to do is uh, spend some time with um, some of the leaders from the Nigeria Red Cross Society um, and also some of the representatives of the communities that we serve um, in Nigeria. So uh, Sarah and I will be keeping our kind of video diary, as it were, so we look forward to updating you um, as we spend the next four or five days together. Yeah. So okay um sarah any last words no we're, we're off three the king now so we better get a move back <laughs> okay see you soon bye here's the second one hi again um fundraising colleagues so um yesterday um i talked about the fact that we were off to visit king um there was a reason behind that uh definitely wasn't like our tourist visit it was because we needed his permission in order to be able to come and visit the community that we're now in uh, which is the older open community, uh, which is a community which is about as impacted by climate change as you can possibly imagine. Just over my shoulder, you can see um, a bridge, a wooden bridge, uh, which um, has basically been the means by which one half of the community can get to another. It's the means by which uh, people go to markets, send their kids to school, uh, go to jobs. Um, and when it, when, it, when the rains come, which they do, basically, the whole half of the community becomes uh, unable to travel. Like I said, schools, kids, jobs, livelihoods. Almost. If you look over my shoulder, what we're here to do today, you probably hear the kind of ceremonial sounds in the background, is to unveil the opening of a bridge, a new structure that the British Red Cross um, has raised, uh, has built, sorry, which is taller, higher, obviously it's more stable, um, and definitely will allow for the permanent movement uh, of members of the community to be able to access jobs schools, education. Do you know, there's two aspects about this, which is brilliant. One is just seeing how kind of, you know, um, the difference that we're making and the kind of, you know, the appreciation, I'm just going to call it out there, that's on display. But the other is knowing we built this, which I think is just absolutely stunning. So there we go. And now the final video. Connelly's, we just reverted on the bridge uh, and now we are walking over the bridge for the first time um, with some very excited uh, and delighted community members um, and uh, as I said on the earlier video, I just want you all to know that you, working with our major supporters, um, have made this all possible. Um, the enablement of livelihoods education, security, um, and joy. That's what you did. That's what we all did. Okay, so um, that's the last slide. Um, and that's the last clip uh, of my video diary from Nigeria. So, um, and watching it back now, um, you know, it just creates such a feelings of emotion, um, you know, within me. Um, I have to admit that I'm absolutely thrilled uh, with the feedback that these videos um, received, uh, with the consistent feedback being that, you know, the colleagues, when they saw it, have said just how inspired um, and motivated uh, it made colleagues feel, because it reminded them of why we do what we do uh, at the British Red Cross um, and the impact that we're having both, as I say, in the UK uh, and internationally. 
Okay, so um, beginning to move to a close now. So I've talked about why uh, within um, you know, the fundraising directorate, we place such a, a focus and an emphasis on inspiration uh, and motivation. I've also talked about some of the things that we're doing, the how that we go about trying to create um, and maintain and sustain those feelings. And I just wanted to conclude now by saying that, you know, by acknowledging I guess, that we're on a journey in being, in being able to track transparently how successful we're being but through regularly measuring uh directorate well-being we know that we're tracking uh, above the organizational average in terms of well-being um, and also by using other measures such as staff vacancies uh, and ultimately performance we're increasingly able to say whether we are indeed making progress on our goal to being the gold standard place to work and volunteer in the sector so, um, ladies and gentlemen, I really hope you've enjoyed my really, really short uh, presentation. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.